Since you enjoy this show, I thought I'd throw out there another podcast you might like. It's a show about the intersection of design, technology, and the creative process. It's the Design Better podcast. And in each episode, hosts Eli Woolery and Aaron Walter bring you conversations with inspiring creative thinkers like John Cleese and David Sedaris, people who bring design and technology together like Tony Fadal, co-inventor of the iPhone and the iPod. So far, some standout episodes for me have been when they talk to John Cleese of Monty Python about creativity. That is one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite people. Then also one of my favorite musicians, Tycho, about his creative process. And they talk with Seth Godin about how creativity is an act of generosity. I've always been fascinated by design, the creativity behind it, the implementation of it, both to improve our lives from a functionality and user interface standpoint, also from an artful bringing beauty into the world approach. So whether you're a design curious person like me or a design pro, Design Better is a great listen that inspires and informs. Subscribe to the Design Better podcast at designbetterpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app like the one you're using right now. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with the author of the 7-Minute Productivity Solution for Busy People, John Brandon. His 7-Minute Productivity Solution, the subtitle is How to Manage Your Schedule, overcome distraction and achieve the results you want. And that's that's what we're going for here, right? We want to manage our schedule. We want to be able to overcome distraction. And ultimately, we want to be able to achieve whatever definition of success or productivity and get those results that we want to. And in this conversation, we dive into his book and we talk about how to develop a consistent morning routine, how you can plan your day in seven minutes and why taking breaks throughout the day will not only increase your output, you'd think that'd be the opposite, but it's not. Taking breaks will increase your output as well as maintain and encourage constant energy throughout the day. Because let's face it, productive days don't just happen. We have to plan them. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that people have issues with when it comes to productivity is that it's not about just setting things and forgetting things. It's about doing the constant work, and that's the day in, day out, somewhat grind of productivity, unfortunately, but it doesn't have to be a grind. John suggests that by using his productive seven-minute framework that you're going to be able to radically reduce your digital distractions, you'll be able to revamp your routines and have better focus and efficiency and, and better outcomes. So I had a great time talking with John, and I think you're going to love it too. So I'll get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with John Brandon. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, John Brandon. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So when I first heard of what you were doing, I was very interested because the seven-minute productivity solution, you know, as a productivity person, I can be somewhat skeptical of something that's seven minutes making any impact on my life. But you've got a great track record of cranking out tons of work. You've written over like 15,000 articles for major publications that I have read and listeners have read, including Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Wired, 
entrepreneur, popular science, popular mechanics. That's just to name a few. Then when I saw the name and the results, I said, okay, there's something here. So proper, the book is called The 7-Minute Productivity Solution, How to Manage Your Schedule, Overcome Distraction, and Achieve the Results You Want. How did you stumble upon this 7-Minute Productivity Solution? What was your workflow that brought you to that realization and that implementation? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, that's exactly how it came about organically through my workflow. So this is something that when I first started freelance writing in 2001, I had a morning routine and I I really had to do it. Of course, I was essentially starting a business and I had to make sure I was successful. And I always felt like I should just jump right into work. And for most of us, that means jumping right into email. And I resisted that. And I'm really glad I did. Dating back to even September of 2001, I started doing a morning routine, but I couldn't do it for 15 minutes or a half an hour because what would happen is that would become the distraction. I would spend too much time journaling and then I would feel like I'm just, you know, not being productive. So I found very organically that it took me about seven minutes to do this morning routine. And I did it for a really long period of time. That actually led to an article that I wrote in 2015 for Inc. Magazine called The Seven-Minute Morning Routine. And so that article, 400,000 people read it. A lot of people started doing the routine. And I knew I was onto something at that time. Very, very cool. And see, here's the other thing. I think only people that have listened to the first, I don't know, first chunk of episodes, I guess, 16 to 30 to 50 or something of this show way back in the day, years ago, would know there was a question I used to ask every single person on the show for a while. And that question was, in an ideal world, how do you start your day? So the power of a morning routine or a startup, whether that's a startup to your life or a startup to your workday, ideally both, can be incredibly powerful. Right. And I don't even think we know why it's so powerful. I think it has something to do with the brain science of being, you know, in the morning. Most of us, according to the research, are morning people. And there's some chemicals in our brain that trigger us in the morning in a good way to pay attention to things, to think more insightfully. And so some of us think that we should just dive right into email or social media and go down that rabbit trail And it turns out that we should really use that time for thinking about the events of the day, because then we're more likely to achieve those things if we think about them first. And I have to say that I'm guilty of doing this thing where you just dive right into work and just start rolling. And I'm also aware of the fact that that doesn't work very well. Yeah. And I should say that regardless of if you're a super early riser, you know, three, four, five a.m., as some people are, or if you're a six, which is still early for some, or seven or eight or nine, you know, depending upon your chronotype, your body type, et cetera, that it doesn't really matter. You're still starting your day at some point. Everybody starts their day at some point if they're alive, right? So, Right, right. <laughs> Unless you're my uh, adult age son and he maybe is, you know, getting up afternoon. He, he actually worked a job where he, he had to work until really late at night. So then he would sleep in, but his morning would still start And he would still think about the events of the day right after lunch for most of us. 
Yeah, we'll see. And again, that's still he's starting his day. It's just shifted. It's a it's a flexible schedule. So there is something here for everyone to glean and adopt and use. Yeah. And I I just have to say that for me, it's very organic. I have nine routines in the book and they're all based on my own experience. I found that when I was in my early writing days, uh, this is like, you know, right after 2001 into like 2004 or five, I would take breaks during the day and my kids would say, because they were homeschooled for a while and then sometimes they'd get home from school and I'd come up and I'd take a break. And my daughter recognized just recently that I always took about a seven minute break. And so there's something about that time frame. It's just, it's not too short. It's not too long. We can talk about the science behind it if you want. But I just found that for me anyway, that's the right amount of time to be productive. And after that seven minute period, sometimes I find that I get more easily distracted or my productivity starts to decline a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say the number seven specifically is a standout here in terms of the title and the method and everything. I'm curious, what is the science behind that? Again, it's kind of a long enough to be useful, but short enough to help us with short attention spans. So this is something I found out about the classroom. So there's been research and studies that have found that students pay attention for about seven minutes. It's called sustained attention span. And after seven minutes, the research has found that they stop paying attention as closely. And when I read that and I wrote the article for Inc. back in 2015, I just thought, wow, that just matches up with what I know in my reality in terms of the breaks that I take and how long I typically take to check email and to scroll through social media. Again, that's an ideal world. So I, I get into this trap of doom scrolling and checking email for too long, just like everyone else. But when I'm being productive, when I'm really working on articles or I'm being intentional with my social media usage, seven minutes is about right for me. And then sometimes I'll do it, you know, three, four times a day. And then I also found that my debrief session at night, again, with a journal, just sitting down quietly, probably an hour before bed when I'm jotting down notes. I've done that before when it's 30 minutes or an hour and it's just too long. It's like, I don't need that amount of time for rumination for my day. I really only need about seven minutes for it to be worthwhile. And then I can start other routines like we all do, you know, at bedtime. Well, and, and that's another key here is like, so technically you've just made it 14 minutes out of my day. <laughs> right, but again, right, right. that's 14 minutes that it's one of those things where the fulcrum and the lever, right? If you can use this, it's a small amount of time. It's a small time commitment, but it can be leveraged into so much more powerful a thing. Like somebody else would say, no, you've got to commit 30 minutes or an hour on such and such a thing, working out, for example. Like, oh no, instead of this seven minutes, I should go to the gym and go do 30 minutes of running or walking or elliptical or something. That's a better investment of my time. I say, hold up. No, I think this one will be because then you'll actually find more time and have more time and get more done. And then that other time for the workout you can fit it in versus struggle to fit it in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what they're called is near goals, N-E-A-R, near goals. James Clear is the reigning productivity guru of all time right now. If you've ever been on Amazon.com and checked the bestseller list, you know that. And he talks a lot about this in his book, Atomic Habits. 
pick a goal that's obtainable. You know, don't say I'm going to walk for four miles per day because you're not going to do it, but maybe walk a couple times around the block. And then that teaches you, that gets you into a rhythm of routine. And, you know, if you can do it two times around the block, maybe you can do four times, maybe you can do a mile. I like the analogy of cycling to, you know, the pedals type of bike, not the motorcycles, because I do it all the time. And you don't want to start out by saying, I'm going to do 20 miles. You want to just start with maybe a mile or even a half a mile, because it just teaches your body the movements and the habits that you need to be successful at it. And then over time, you can increase that distance that you're going but you're already in the routine of doing it, and then it can develop into a habit over time. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, let's dive into the seven-minute productivity solution, the morning routine, and what all is entailed inside of that seven minutes. Sure. So again, this is something I developed in when I was writing for Inc.com. I've since moved over to Forbes.com. I tend to think it's an upgrade. But back in the day, I worked for about 12 years as a columnist for Inc. And when I wrote the article, I documented honestly what I was already doing. And a big part of this is before you start the routine, first of all, you want to have a paper journal, get rid of your phone, use a kitchen timer to time the seven minutes if you have to, or a watch. But before you start the routine, prepare your work area, organize it a little bit, get into the right mindset, get away from everybody. Don't do it in a crowded coffee shop, you know, if you can, or find a back room, whatever it is, but make sure that you prepare yourself for doing this. When you first start out, You really want to be intentional with your time and every minute counts. When you dive into the routine, you'll find that there's a period of time when all you should do is write down your thoughts for the day, not your task list, not your to-do list, but just your random thoughts. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? And write them down. And then there's another minute when you take the time to write down what's stressing you out. What are the things that are just going to cause you pain during the day, pain and suffering? And then there's a part of the routine where you cross those out, which actually, from a scientific standpoint, there's something about writing things down. We're much more likely to remember them. And then also when we cross things out, it's a small gesture. It just means, you know what, that's not going to rule my day today. Yeah, maybe I am getting a root canal later, but it's not going to be the defining thing of my whole day. And then there's another part of the routine where you document your hope moments. 
And those are the things that are those really special moments in life that you're really looking forward to. You might not have them every day. When my youngest daughter got married, she wrote down in in her journal that she was getting married that day. That was her hope moment. And then there's a period of time when you're just reviewing your notes, you're thinking through your notes. By the way, I'm trying to let people know, even for the name of your podcast is talking about to-do lists, but this is not the time to do those. This is just a time to collect your thoughts and think about what's important. Later on, you can do a daily planner and you can do your task list and those things are all important. But this is the way you start your day and you're collecting all those insights that are floating around. Again, from a scientific standpoint, when we're asleep, we're recharging. Our brains are put on pause. And then when we wake up, it's like they're released. It's like the phone turns on. And this is a really special time to collect those thoughts and document them and to think about what's really important to you. Yeah, it almost is like a clearing of the mental and I guess I'll include emotional ram. Yeah, it really is. That's a good way to put it. It's not a perfect metaphor because, you know, in the morning you're waking up from sleeping. So you just rested. Ideally, you had a great night of sleep or an adequate amount and your computer wasn't on all night. It was resting. However, you know, you wake up the next morning and Actually, there's this great quote. Oh, man, I'm just going to paraphrase it. I know it doesn't make for good podcasting when you Google something live. It's a C.S. Lewis <laughs> quote, and it has something to do with capturing your thoughts when first thing in the morning, all of the world's attention is trying to grab at you internally and externally when you first wake up. And this is kind of a way to order that and one, grant awareness to it and acknowledge it, but not let it rule you and derail you throughout the day, distraction-wise. Yeah, and I I have a couple other comments to make on this topic. So first of all, this makes me think of another quote. There's a guy named Clay Scroggins, who is a pretty well-known book author and pastor. And I just did an interview with him recently and wrote an article for Forbes. And he gave me this original quote. It's not even in one of his books. But I just thought it was just so amazing. He said that the reason why we're struggling with distractions so much is because distractions work. And I just thought for me, it just really resonated. Our phones are always available to us. Instagram is really powerful. It's a powerful medium. It works. So we need things that help us get through the day without being distracted because distractions are so powerful right now. Another thing I was going to say too, So in terms of the seven minutes and just being intentional, I'm not saying that seven minutes is the perfect amount of time for you. What I really am saying is just be intentional with your time, because if you can focus for seven minutes and, you know, maybe you don't believe the science, maybe you think it should be seven and a half minutes, you know, whatever you think about the time frame, at least be intentional, because then throughout the day, you'll be intentional in other things and you won't be as distracted. And speaking of C.S. Lewis, he has another quote where he says, you know, we're surrounded by noise. Like noise is all around us all the time. And the real question is, how are we going to keep ourselves from being sucked into that noise? Mm. That's a really loose paraphrase, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that because, again, I think what I might do is Google these after we're done recording and then include (laughs) them in the show notes. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So, one, I love C.S. Lewis. And two, I just, I love this practice. And I've been inching more towards getting my morning routine back in line 
And typically what it ends up being is like I'll groggily make my black coffee and and sip on it and sit there and just kind of try to mentally go through stuff without any form or function. It's been way less intentional than it's been in the past, admittedly. This is something that I'm latching onto like immediately because it has all the components of things that have worked for me in the past as far as a morning routine has gone. Yeah, rumination is just not something that we we often do anymore. There's too many things on Netflix and there's too many distractions in life. And so we don't just sit down and, and think. Nicholas Carr has written about this, and it's something I write about in the book as well. Good thoughts and good decisions take time. They take time to ruminate in our brains. So there's this idea that uh, if you're really interested in good thoughts and good decisions and being insightful in life, go ahead and take the time to ruminate and think through these things. Because it's just such a fast-paced society right now, and there's so many different things going on. I go on my phone, and I have about eight different ways to check the news, and sometimes I check all of them, unfortunately. A bit of a news junkie. But when I'm doing that, when I'm checking Flipboard, and I'm checking Apple News, and I'm checking all these other apps, I'm just moving from one thing to another so fast. And guess what? That's not actually good productivity at that point. That's just being busy. But again, I have to challenge myself on this. I get sucked into it and I want to be someone who's defined by what I ruminate about and not defined by how many apps I have on my phone. Yeah, agreed. I think that uh, there's a key there. There's a difference between being productive and being busy. And when we're busy, this is one of the things that kind of derails us or eliminates this intentional time in the morning, first thing. We feel so busy that we've got to get right to it. And it's fake busyness in the guise or the the disguise of productivity where we reach for our phone first thing and start flipping through and reinforcing the endorphin hits that that entails. And that's why when we feel too busy, well, I'm too, I'm too busy to sit and think. I'm too busy to order my day. Let me just start getting stuff done is one of the excuses that people would have. Yeah, and I and I have to say, some of my favorite books are about neuroscience. I don't claim to be a neuroscientist at all. In fact, in high school, I, I really failed out of some of those classes and, and took journalism classes instead in high school and in college. But I'm fascinated by it, and I read about it all the time. And if you do some research and studies on what they used to think the brain looked like and what they actually know about the brain today, is that it's vastly interconnected. And all these different connections and neurons are going through your brain in all different ways. They used to think it was like, oh, it's all segmented and orderly like everything else in life. It turns out that it's very interconnected. And so if we don't take the time to think through things and stop and do a journal with a pen and a timer, then what happens is is we just keep overloading that brain that's always busy doing so many things. Another thing that's fascinating to me is there's parts of the brain that are really meant to help us focus. And for some reason, we don't utilize those as much as we should. And I think it's because what I said earlier about distractions work, they derail us from focus. And so we're not using that part of the brain. This is a fascinating thing of brain science to me. There's a part of the brain called the salience network. And what it's designed to do is help us figure out what is important. It prioritizes things. So when we're walking down the street and we see something and it's like, oh, that's just a car or that's just a person, no big deal. 
our salience network says, you can tune that out. Don't worry about it. And then let's say it's an ambulance over on the other side of the street. And we're like, man, maybe we should pay attention to that because it's headed right for us and we should jump out of the way. Unfortunately, we don't use that salience network as much as we should because there's so many distractions. Picture yourself driving in a car right now and you decide to go look at your phone and start texting someone. Guess what? Your salience network has almost completely turned off. You're not able to look out the window and, you know, check if there's different things coming at you or around you or if there's sirens. We have to be really intentional to clue into the fact that our brains are wired to prioritize things and to think about what we should focus on. And when we're on Instagram or we're checking email or doing all these other distractions, we're not taking advantage of that really important part of our brains. So then what is a social media routine that will allow us to get some of the benefits, there are some, when it comes to social media and news for that matter? What's a proper routine for that that allows us to dip in, do what is beneficial, and then put it away again? Yeah, and honestly, before I get into the social media routine, I should explain why routines work in the first place. So there's nine routines in my book. So routines are like an engine. I'm fond of saying it this way. We don't create good habits. Good habits create us. And what I mean by that is if you follow a routine and a habit over time, you will become a different type of person. If you follow the right routines and the right engines, then you'll become the type of person that you want to be. So let's say, for example, that you want to be the type of person that uses social media for four or five hours per day. You're going to have a lot of opinions. You're going to kind of act and look like a troll. You're going to be arguing with people all the time. That's going to define you. But if you use a routine to control that habit and even turn it into something that's of value, then you'll become a person who has control and has value. And so this is one of the routines in the book is the social media one, I think is really honestly the biggest distraction that we all face right now. I see people constantly on their phone at the dentist office, at the grocery store, at Starbucks. You just glance over and you almost always see Instagram. You almost always see TikTok or Facebook. It's because they're so effective. And so what I decided to do is write a routine that said, what if you could control that habit and make a routine where you only did it for seven minutes and then you stopped? And, you know, maybe you could say, oh, that doesn't seem all that insightful, or maybe that's something I've already thought of. But actually doing it can be life-changing. If you only use Instagram for seven minutes instead of an hour, it frees up so much time. It helps you think about what am I actually doing? There's features on these social media apps that allow you to save a post for later reading. Nobody knows about it, but it's very possible in Facebook to save a post and go back to it later. So part of my routine is just going through and saying, I'm not going to doom scroll for an hour. I'm just going to scroll through long enough to say, here's a few posts that I want to read later. The other thing is that when we're actually sharing our ideas with other people, Sometimes we think, you know, I'm going to share like 10 different ideas throughout the day or maybe throughout the week. And I'm saying, what if you were more intentional and pick the ones that really matter the most? And you thought about your viewership or your followers on these apps. That's where you can really get into a more of an intentional mindset with social media. 
Yeah. And and it's going to vary for different people, what their goals are. For the average person out there, they're just going to go see, hey, what are my friends doing? Or what are the brands or, you know, celebrities, I guess, that I'm following that I want to just see, you know, what's interesting, what's cool, what's fun, what's the buzz, in other words. And that's fine. And you can say, okay, seven minutes. I love the idea then of setting an external timer. I wouldn't set it on my phone. I'd set it on, say, a voice assistant or something, which I won't say the words <laughs> of because it'll summon all of them for everybody listening, including my own. But by doing that, it then is an external trigger to stop. Right. That's that's the real problem is we don't stop. And so that's what I, I really want to say to your listeners today as they're listening to this, you know, just being intentional with your time and saying these distractions work and, and the, the apps for social media are designed, the algorithms are designed to hold your attention. I think the worst offender, by the way, is TikTok. And I, I happen to like the app. I think there's some cool videos. Once you get into the right channels like car repair, I really like the ones where people are giving like uh, how-to advice and things like that. The app has value. But what's happening with the algorithm is the more you pay attention to a certain type of video, the more they show you that type of video. I just wrote about this recently, but if you had like a, a an ice cream shop and every time you stopped by, you got an ice cream cone and it was your favorite flavor. And then somehow the ice cream shop knew how to improve that flavor. And so then the next time you came by, you had something that was even better. And every single time you became a, a customer of that ice cream shop, you got a better and better flavor every time. That's exactly what TikTok is doing. And so is Facebook and so is Instagram. Knowing a little bit about how they suck you in and how they keep you hooked to the apps and how the algorithms work, that can be really valuable. But like you said earlier, just stopping is probably the biggest takeaway. You know, don't do it for two hours because it's killing your productivity. And that's the other thing is I know that a lot of people will, and myself included, where I'll pick my phone up, I'll be done with a certain task for my work day, and I'll say, oh, I'm going to take a break. But I don't really take a break. I pick my phone up and engage in a different screen, a smaller screen. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't really help me recharge in a way that is beneficial. It'd be better for me to have stepped outside and or stood up and or walked around, maybe call somebody, talk to somebody. If there's somebody in proximity that I can talk to, doing something different, breaking up the workflow. In other words, changing the environment, changing my mindset, changing my workspace, all these different variables. And you have to prepare yourself for that type of success. In my book, I talk about the take a break routine, which is seven minutes. And in that routine, I say, you know, put the phone away, you know, shut down your laptop, whatever you need to do. And maybe your thing is doing uh, Sudoku puzzles, or maybe it's jotting in a journal, but you have to have those materials ready to go. So for example, in my office here, I always have like a little crossword puzzle book. I happen to enjoy reading about history. So I always have a book laying around where even just for seven minutes, I'll pick up a book and start reading it. And it just takes me away from all the distractions. I have to say I'm with you on how I solve these things sometimes. My wife and I will be, you know, we're looking for a house right now. So we're both on our laptops looking for houses. And then we'll say, let's take a little break and watch Netflix. Well, that's just, like you said before, we're just switching screens. That's not really a break. So 
one of the things in the take a break routine is they say, go completely analog, you know, don't use your phone at all. I've even told people, if you need to go to the length of taking your phone and locking it in a drawer or putting it in, in the trunk of your car, take great measures to make sure that you can take an effective break during the day. One of the things that happens then too, we talked about rumination earlier. When you ponder things for seven minutes without doing any work at all, it allows your brain to reset and think about what's really important. And then when you're done with that break, you charge right in and you're like, okay, now I know what I should really work on because I took that break for a few minutes. Well, and I think that's the other thing is many of us are scared to have seven minutes of silence because then we start to think about the things we don't want to think about. But if we are routinely using this routine of seven minutes, we allow ourselves to acknowledge those thoughts and emotions and maybe not deal with them, but at least acknowledging them allows us to then appropriately engage with those thoughts and feelings when the best time for that is, not during work. I just remembered the C.S. Lewis quote that I butchered earlier. He actually said, there is only noise in hell. And what he meant by that is, you know, the noise is a distraction. The noise all around us, the things that are keeping us from being productive and having value in life, those are the things that are going to trap us in the end. That's like the true evil, you might say, in the world is keeping us distracted from what, what really matters. Yeah. So there's nine routines total in the book. We've talked about the morning routine, and we talked about the social media routine. I think we've actually talked a little bit about the taking a break and maybe a bit of planning your day. Maybe not. That one might be the one we scratch the surface. Let's <laughs> maybe dig a little there. My claim to fame is that as a journalist, I've produced a, just an enormous amount of work over the last 20 years, about 15,000 articles. But when I talk about the plan your day routine, for example, I talk about time boxing, which is a well-known productivity technique. You know, if you're going to have six meetings in a day, don't do them one at eight, one at 12, one at four, and the rest of them in the evening. Put them all together because you get into a flow state even with meetings. What I'm trying to say with all this stuff is I've learned a lot about productivity. I've practiced a lot of things. And I wanted to write a book that says, here's how to do these things within a set time frame. And the, one of the things that I really want to stress here is that I pick the seven-minute time frame because it works for me. It works for me as a journalist when I'm on deadline. And I have five articles due and I have to get them done. And they're not for, you know, MAPA publications. They're sometimes for Wired or Popular Mechanics. They have to be done. And so what I found is that I had to do these routines and I had to put it into a very set period of time because I just couldn't afford to get distracted. I couldn't afford to spend an hour doing something. And so if anyone's listening to this and you're really busy you're not feeling productive, you've tried different techniques before, maybe you even tried journaling before, I wanted to create something that is easily accessible and that allows you to be able to do it and achieve it and be successful and spend seven minutes doing something. Maybe later on you can do eight minutes, you know, or 14 minutes or whatever it is. But the challenge is just to try some of these routines just for a short period of time to teach yourself how to be productive. There's so much gold 
in honestly what is a very concise and compact book. I'd love for you to share where people can go to find out more about you as well as the book and get a sneak peek. Yeah. So the best place to go, honestly, is just Amazon and search for seven minute productivity solution because that has a wealth of information. Uh, We've got a lot of good quotes on the Amazon landing page for it. And then the other site is just my own uh, site, sevenminutesolution.com. And that has a little bit of background about the book and how it came about. But if I were to say, you know, the best place to search is, is just on Amazon. Perfect. And what I'll do is I'll save people the searching time. I'll, I'll link up to that Amazon link as well as the seven minute solution in the show notes for this episode. That way people can find it easier. So, John, great talking with you. I'm kind of excited to dig into all the different articles you've written now that I'm aware <laughs> of your writing. And I can't wait to, to kind of share that. And you've got some of that linked up on your site as well. So if anybody wants to dive in, there you go. John, so great talking with you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. A great discussion. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with John Brandon. I had a great time talking with him. His book is short, sweet, concise, to the point. You should pick it up. It's an easy click through on the link in the show notes. You can find it beyond the to-do list.com. And if anything in this episode struck you as helpful or encouraging, I would love for you to do me the favor and John the favor even of sharing this episode with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Help that person too. share this with them. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice, or again, going to the show notes at beyond the to do list.com. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you again for listening. And I will see you next episode.